Why, hey there. Today in the show, we're talking about ergonomics legislation and what the recent Washington State Department of Labor bill means for our future as ergonomics consultants. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Ergonomics legislation has always been a hot topic for ergonomics consultants. I feel deep down that it has this perception if there's a legislation that mandates ergonomics, that it will be so much easier to sell our services. Well, I'm not totally convinced of that argument. Of course, it indicates a really good perception that there's a value in ergonomics, but legislating anything is not the silver bullet that I think many professionals think that it could be. So in this episode, I want to talk about Bill 5217 that was passed on April 21st, 2023, what that could mean for ergonomics professionals, especially if you're in the Washington State area. And I also want to talk about the history of ergonomics legislation, at least since like the 1970s, and what this means for you as an ergonomics professional. Okay, so before we dive into what the ergonomics legislation is and what it could be and what that means for us, I need to address the elephant in the room. And it's that ergonomics technically falls under the general duty clause in occupational health and safety acts. And this is across the board, no matter what country that you're in. So even though there lacks an ergonomics legislation related to preventing injuries and the ergonomics process and the program, it still would technically be covered. So there is always an angle for providing a business case for ergonomics when it comes to employer responsibilities. So a little bit of background about what's going on in the state of Washington in the United States. This is an effective date of July 23rd, 2023. The Washington State Department of Labor and Industries can regulate certain industries and risk classifications to prevent musculoskeletal injuries and disorder. The bill passed by 322 supporting and 45 opposing. And I've been following this for probably the, at least the last six months to see what would happen. And it's very interesting to know that this bill was passed with such high margins. Specifically, this would allow a new set of rules for one industry per year, the content of which would be determined by an advisory committee of both employers and workers. And this would apply to entire industries, not individual employers. It would prioritize regulating the industries with the highest rates of workplace injuries and really nail in on the workers' compensation claims too. This legislation would also provide funding to employers who are subject to rulemaking to help them pay for new equipment that would reduce injury rates. So I will be paying some attention to what the heck will be going on with this bill and what the impact of this is going to be in Washington state when it comes into effect in the summer because it may be really interesting and other states may take the initiative and put something in place if it is going to be really positive for the 
workplaces and health and overall economy of their state. So stay tuned for that. So let's talk about how this relates to the total lens of ergonomics legislation. One of the earliest examples of ergo legislation was the pass of the Occupational Health and Safety Act in the United States in 1970. OSHA established a federal agency responsible for setting and enforcing workplace safety standards, and that included the ergonomic guideline that I referred to earlier. But here's the thing. It wasn't really until the 1990s when OSHA began to focus specifically on ergonomics. And there seemed to be a real explosion at that date. There was a real trend with physical ergonomics reducing workplace injuries because it was so prevalent back then throughout the world, really. These actions are still seen today. So in 1990, the U.S. Congress enacted the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, ADA, which prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities in employment, public accommodations, and other areas of society. The ADA also requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations to employees with disabilities, and that can include ergonomic modifications in the workplace. Another thing that happened in the 90s, other than like the explosion of white papers that started to come into play, that is still so valuable. So check that out on OSHA because I've referenced it in years past and I thought it was just so enlightening to see how in-depth this research was and the value of the complex solutions that they were providing for industries at large. One of the really I think valuable ones was the ergonomics process for meat packers. I thought that was just so cool. So check that out. If you haven't already, I'm sure you have because you are a passionate ergonomics professional, just like me. So in 1993, OSHA issued its first ergonomics program standard, which required employers to develop a plan to identify and reduce ergonomic hazards in the workplace. However, the standard was not enforceable and was highly and largely ignored by employers. The late 1990s and early 2000s, there was just an array of interest for ergonomics legislations in the United States. One of the more prominent ones I remember, because this is when I was just getting into the ergonomics industry um, and learning about ergonomics for the first time, was the ergonomic standard that was published in November 2000 and was scheduled to go into effect in January 2001. Interestingly enough, the Clinton administration proposed this new ergonomic standard. And what would have happened here was that it would have required employers to take proactive measures to address ergonomic hazards in the workplace. And At the time, there was just so much excitement about that for ergonomics consultants. In um, 2007, that's when I was working in the States. And even then, there was a lot of talk about that. I even think back then, Michigan was almost going to pass an ergonomics standard as well. So back to the standard in the year 2000. The standard was enacted by OSHA, but later repealed by Congress in 2001. Since then, OSHA has relied on the general duty clause, which I mentioned earlier in this episode, and voluntary guidelines to address ergonomic hazards in the workplace. 
And here's the point with this. If you've ever consulted to businesses with ergonomics, businesses aren't reaching out to you about putting into place ergonomics programs because it's legislated. There is a dollars and cents factor to this. And ergonomics is seen as a way to bring down that heavy costs associated with workplace injury. So it's not a decision that's based on whether or not they are legislated to do it. It's something that is an operational, productive type of solution. So no matter if these things are passed or not, there will always be a business case for ergonomics. And it's your job as an ergonomics professional to figure out how the best to message this to companies and what the best way it is to market this to companies is. However, despite this lack of federal regulation, many states have implemented their own ergonomics programs. California, for example, has its own ergonomics standard that requires employers to identify and correct ergonomics hazards. So if you are in California right now, I know there's a bunch of members in Accelerate that are living there. There is an opportunity that you should look into how to align your services with the language that is used in this California ergonomics standard to ensure that you're not only educating the companies out there about ergonomics, but you are following up on what needs to be done. So it's a huge value add to the companies who may not even know that there's an ergonomic standard that exists in California. As ergonomics professionals, we can't ignore what's going on in the bigger economy. I remember back in the 2008 recession, there was major rollback of ergonomics programs. So in light of this current recession, we also have to be really smart in our messaging around ergonomics because it's already caused significant job losses and financial strain on many employers. So we need to carefully craft our messaging to not place undue burden or hardship on businesses. And if there are legislations that are being put into place, that they are phased in gradually with due diligence to ensure that the economy can handle it. So there has been a really interesting history of ergonomics legislation in the United States. Of course, this is going to be very different in whatever country that you're living in. For instance, I'm in Canada and it is different here. However, there is some general principles that are very similar. And I know in Europe that there is even different ergonomics standards and legislations that are even more stringent than what's happening in North America. There's been so much progress that's been made in addressing ergonomic hazards. And I think that there's a much better awareness of what ergonomics is and the value that it can have. But at the same time, what I've noticed from coaching and being part of my community, that it is still very much an education perspective of ergonomics. And many employers think that buying a piece of equipment can just solve an ergonomics issue. However, it doesn't replace a knowledgeable ergonomics expert like you who can look at the entire process and really optimize where money is being wasted and how to improve their production and operations to not only enhance the, the dollars of that company, but improve overall employee wellness and health. 
So to me, that's invaluable. And sometimes it's hard to put that into place for just legislation because legislation might just be putting all the value of a really in-depth ergonomics program into a check in the box and checks in the box when it comes to ergonomics or any health and safety initiative may not do the best due diligence for the long-term health, wellness, and productivity of that company and workplace. So something to keep in mind when considering ergonomics legislation. I would love to hear what you think about ergonomics legislation. Is it something that is valuable? Is it something that's necessary? And is it the direction that we need to go as an industry to improve our foothold and encourage more people to invest in ergonomics? Please let me know. And if you are at all interested in continuing this conversation, this is exactly what the Business of Ergonomics Accelerate program offers on the day-to-day. It's a place where ergonomics professionals who are building their businesses come and connect and brainstorm and talk about these issues so that they can be on the leading edge of ergonomics in general. How cool is that? I'll talk to you in the next episode. Have a good one. Accelerate the Business of Ergonomics helps healthcare professionals building their own thriving ergonomic service business and it's opening for enrollment soon. You can register now just by going to ergonomicshelp.com biz to be the first notified once we open up the doors to accelerate so that you too can tap into the strategies to build, attract customers, and raise your income with your own ergonomic services. Join the notification list to get the processes, the resources, and your future members you'll work with inside the program. You'll be the first to know about any brand new free training that I release And you'll be the first in line when we open up the doors to accelerate the business of ergonomics next. All you got to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash biz to get started now.